Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the January 11, 2015 edition of Season 2 of The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report comes to you every Sunday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Every week we will take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know. Friend me on Facebook. You can send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg. That's W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or you can like the Court Report fan page on Facebook. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is YLS Wise Guy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. Because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it. Thank you again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been servicing the Yeshiva League for over a decade. If you've won a championship within that time, you've already seen their amazing handiwork and craftsmanship. Please give the entire gang a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your trophy and plaque needs. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official, analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids with you each and every week right here on The Court Report. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of this season's shows, as well as last season's. Plus, you'll be able to send in comments for each show. Please keep the comments nice. Much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches, please be courteous enough to do the same. Well, I'll tell you, two teams were absolutely listening to our rivalry show two weeks ago, and I think had uh, had a bit of an issue with the fact that I overlooked them, not so much overlooked them, but went in another direction for the uh, for the top rivalry in the Shiva League. Uh, I know I put DRS and Hafter at the top, but after this last week, I got to tell you, Frisch and TABC, they are right there. I had a chance to go to all four uh, all four games between the JV and varsity, the basketball and hockey teams, and wow, what kind of what games they were! It's uncanny how the games in the basketball uh, the basketball leagues, the JV and varsity basketball uh, uh, games, mirrored each other, and then last night how the hockey games mirrored each other. I was actually really fascinated. Although I, I do think that uh, that TABC needs to fire that scoreboard operator. I think that guy does a terrible job. And uh, saw so last night he can uh, he can be a little uh, he can be a little unpredictable. So let's move on to what this week is going to be about. In addition to that, we have updated playoff standings, uh, playoffs and playoff scenarios and standings. And we're also going to take you through the girls' basketball uh, playoff scenarios. Over the next two weeks, what generally I will do, uh, as, as I did last year, is I'm going to take some time and work you through what can happen on the other side of the break. This week, I'm going to deal with the girls' sports. Next week, it's going to be all boys' sports. Not all boys' sports in terms of terms of content, if there are girls' games, which we'll, we'll talk about. I don't know if there are any. If there are, we'll cover them. But the majority majority of the time next week will be spent on the playoff scenarios for the boys teams. I will go I will roll through the last few uh, the last few games of the season for each of the teams, let you know what each team needs in order to make the playoffs, what each team uh, what, what what has to happen in order for them to make it, what if they if something doesn't happen, what the what the consequences are, and we'll roll through that and see what it's like for each league. But for now, let's get back to that Frisch-TABC rivalry, because the truth is, 
the 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 games over the week they were intense they were amazing the crowds were electric I know Frisch was involved in their Shiria last week so they were able to get a very very good crowd for the games in Frisch but last night TABC was rocking with a packed house for for the two hockey games I was really impressed and it was really 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 good atmosphere for the games and the games kind of echoed that we'll uh, we'll cover each of the games in turn we'll start off with uh, with uh, basketball. We'll start off with uh, JV basketball, move over to varsity basketball, and then we'll cover the hockey leagues. And when we do so, we're going to focus ourselves on this rivalry, which I think has renewed itself. Do I think it's at the top? That's debatable. I still think that DRS and Hafter is still the top uh, rivalry, especially given how both teams, uh, sorry, both schools, all four, all four teams, all four teams in all four leagues are where they are in the standings. And uh, when it comes to TABC Frisch, uh, there's one Frisch team that's not quite fitting the bill, and we'll get to that soon enough. But last night, they certainly played like they had uh, much more than they actually showed on the standings and on the scoreboard. So we'll get to that. You guys will get to get to hear my take on that. And with any uh, with any luck, we'll work ourselves around to some of the other games. Not that there were many, and uh, we'll recap those games, and we'll take a look at the next few weeks. Oh, also, we have a nice surprise in varsity hockey, which we'll get to later on in our show. Let's start out in JV basketball. In JV basketball, there were five games on the week, two in the east and three in the west. We're going to start out in the west, where Frisch met up with two big opponents coming into the week. Frisch was 4-2 and two and would need both games in order to keep behind MTA and SAR in the race for the top two spots in the Western Conference. Both opponents that they would play on the week came in with three losses and were just hoping to hang on uh, to their shot at a first-round home game. Tuesday night, the Cougars met up with crosstown rivals TABC. The Storm came into the game at 4-3 and three after having dropped three of their last four games, all to teams with 500 or better records. It had been nearly three weeks since Frisch's last outing, an overtime heartbreaker loss to SAR in the Hive by three. First quarter, very slow start. It takes about three and a half minutes for the first bucket to fall, but once it got started, it would be all TABC, literally. The Storm jumped out to an 8 nothing lead on buckets by Ephraim Sachs, Yonatan Fine, and four points from Andrew Haberman, and would actually hold Frisch to no points on the quarter. The Cougars would finally get on the scoreboard in the second in a big way. Jordan Kleinhaus put Frisch's first points up, a three-pointer, one minute into the period. This would start a 9-2 Frisch run over a minute stretch that saw the lead shave to 1-10-9, with 4.07 left in the half. It would be another two minutes before any more scoring came about, but when it rained, it poured. The teams would trade a pair of buckets with Aton Gersberg driving the lane for TABC and Sammy Fishman picking up a pair off of a TABC turnover to make it 12-11 TABC. Spoiler alert, this would be the last lead that TABC would have on the night. Frisch would take the lead on two J.J. Zockheim free throws, and then extend it with three straight points from Israel Solomon, and would also add a Zach Comet free throw to their tally. TABC would look to have the half not end on that note, and it would turn to its star, Mo Proctor. Uh, Proctor, tightly guarded for most of the game, took a bit of time to get rolling, but finally converted on two free throws and added a drive to the lane with 21 seconds left in the half to bring the midway score to 17-16 with Frisch in the lead, again with all 17 of Frisch points coming in that second quarter. 
this would be the closest that the two teams would be for the rest of the game. Frisch came out on fire and would outscore TABC 11-2 in the third, with Mark Abramowitz leading the charge offensively with six points. The difference in the quarter was the defensive play of Isaac Lafer. Lafer recorded several steals in the third, frustrating TABC and aiding his team in holding the storm to no field goals on the quarter, holding them to two made foul shots by Proctor on a technical foul at the 434 mark. The fourth quarter would be more frish domination, as the Cougars paced by six more from Abramowitz, who led the game with 12 in total, all in the second half, slowly extended their lead. Proctor would finally heat up for the Storm, scoring eight in the final quarter of play, but it would not be enough as the Cougars put up another 18-point quarter, outscoring the Storm by eight for a 46-31 final. The win put Frisch at 5-2, and two, going into last night's game with Ramaz. The Rams came at 5-3 and three into the game after having their four-game December winning streak snapped by SAR in a 50-26 loss. That losing streak, though, is now at two games after they fell to Frisch last night in Frisch. As a result, Ramaz falls to 5-4 and four and is on the brink of losing their chance at hosting a first-round home playoff game. They are still one win ahead of TABC at 4-4, four and four, and will need a win over Heschel to secure either the third or fourth seed in the playoffs. Frisch, at 6-2, and two, is close to locking up one of those spots, and can do so with either a win or a TABC loss. In other West action, MTA pulled ahead of SAR at 7-1, defeating winless Hillel 47-32. The Sting will have a chance to pull back even in the race for the top slot in the West this week when they play Heschel in Heschel tomorrow night. It will be the first of two games on the week for the Heat, who will also play Ramaz on Thursday. For Heschel at 3-3, three and three, the two games represent the opportunity to clinch the final playoff spot in the JV West. Two wins will get the job done for the Heat and eliminate JEC from postseason contention. In the East, Hafter defeated Ezra 74-42 to improve to 7-1, leaving them a win or a North Shore loss away from clinching the second seed in the division. For Ezra, the loss puts the capper on their season, finishing with a record of 0-10. In a game with implications on the race a little lower down the charts, Mag and David eked out a 51-49 win over Hank. The win prevented the Hurricanes from clinching a playoff berth and kept them in a group of six teams with either three or four wins. The Mag and David win helped the Warriors join that pack, all of whom will be fighting for the last three playoff spots as the season winds down. We'll give you a more complete rundown of the race when we preview the basketball playoffs next week. Taking a look at the standings in JV basketball, Flatbush leads the East at a record of 9-0, Hafter right behind them at 7-1, North Shore behind the two at 7-2, DRS at 500 at 4-4, Rambam right behind them at 4-5 in a pack with two others, Hank, uh, sorry, one other, Hank at 4-5, Shari Torah at 3-5, YDE at 3-6, and Megan David at 3-6, and, and Ezra, whose season finished off at 0-10. Moving out to the west, MTA leads at 7-1, SAR is 6-1 right behind them, Frisch is 6-2, Ramaz is 5-4, TABC at 4-4, Heschel at 3-3, JEC at 3-6, Kushner at 2-7, Hillel at 0-8, rounding out the division. Taking a look at the games on the week, only two coming up, both involving uh, teams out of the west, and both involving Heschel. Monday night, tomorrow night, Heschel will host SAR, and then Thursday night, Heschel will host the Ramaz Rams.
Moving over to varsity basketball, with seven games on the week, the varsity basketball league had the most action of all leagues. We'll start out in the east with a matchup featuring two teams on the opposite ends of the spectrum. The Hafter Hawks cemented their hold on the east number one seed with a dominating win over Derechatora, doubling them up 88-44, to meaning that the road to the championship will run through Hafter. The 88 points set the new high for the season, edging out the 87 scored by Rambam in their 87-76 win over the same Bulldogs a month ago. Jonathan Greenberg scored 19 points, Rosner, Max Rosner added 14, and Aaron Fruchter had 12 for Hafter. For Derek Atora, who else? Adam Mutovich finished with a game-high 26 points, just a shade higher than his league-leading average this year. Matevich will have one more game to attempt to put away the scoring championship this year on the other side of the break, with Derek Atora well out of the playoff hunt at 1-11. and In the other East game on the week, Hank upended Mag and David 56-42. Jack Shabar led the game with 19 in the loss for the Warriors. The win makes things interesting, as Mag and David at 6-5 could have clinched a playoff berth with a win, but will now be in a race with Hank at 5-7 and, and Flatbush at 4-8 and eight for the final two playoff spots in the division. The West featured five games on the week, starting out with Hillel destroying MTA 66-27 last Sunday. Nathan Beebe led Hillel with 17 as the Heat improved to 7-5, and five, clinching a playoff berth for the second consecutive season. Hillel will gear up for their next two games, locked in a tight race for the right to host a first-round home game. That race was given a brief breather as TABC knocked JEC back to the 500 mark at 6-6 six six with a 54-30 win. Moshe Brum led the storm with 14, while Dan Poleoff added 12. Shmayahu Shulman led JEC and the game with 16. The win marked the third straight for TABC, entering the game of the week on Tuesday night between the top two teams in the West, as we recapped their JV game earlier. The 9-2 Storm and the 10-0 Frisch Cougars played as well. The game would be their only meeting on the season, meaning that this would be the first and only time that the two teams have faced off since their epic three-game series last year, where they split the regular season series on each other's court, and then saw TABC hold serve, toppling Frisch 51-45 in the first round of the playoffs. For Frisch, the game represented a chance at revenge, but also represented a chance for the Cougars to clinch the top seed in the West on their home court in front of a capacity crowd. However, in the first, much like the JV game, the quarter would belong to the visitors. After Scott Levine opened the game with a three and Benny Tuckman put Frisch up 5 nothing, the Storm would get back into the game with a foul shot by Salo Shulman, a steal and lay-in by Dan Poleoff, and a bucket by Ty Gersberg to tie the game at 5. Following a Tuckman bucket, Shulman would drain a wide-open three to give the Storm an 8-7 lead. The next few minutes would be a blur as TBC used an up-tempo offense to overmatch the Cougars. Moshe Brum would convert on an and-one, Poleoff would drop a pair, big man Shuan Naor would show range, draining a three, and then Gersberg would weave his way through all five Frisch defenders for a lay-in. Thirty seconds later, Poleoff would smack the ball away from Frisch with authority, head down to the other end, receive the return pass, and put it home to cap off a 20-7 stretch in five minutes, seeding only three more points from Tuckman and two from Tyler Hode to end the first with a 20-12 TABC lead. In the second, TABC would slow down the pace of play, throwing a curveball to both teams, as after a first quarter where everybody was connecting, only four points were scored in the first five minutes of the second quarter, all of them from Gersberg. 
with 2.56 to go. Mayor Charlotte driving down court. Dan Pileyev comes in from behind and appeared to swat the ball away cleanly, but the officials saw differently and set Charlotte to the line, where he would drain two. Eight seconds later, Frisch would return the favor on the other end, sending that ore to the line where he would drain two, opening up a 26-14 storm lead. Tuckman would score his ninth of the half, with 2.16 to go in the half, and only two Shulman TABC free throws would make the board in the final few minutes to send the teams into the break with the storm well in control, 28-16, outscoring Frisch 8-4 in the second quarter, despite the departure from the run-and-gun offensive style of the first period of play. That departure, however, would prove detrimental on the other side of the break, as just like the JV game, the third quarter was huge for the Cougars. Levine would open up the half, hitting two threes. Tuckman would convert on an inbounds play. Hode would force a turnover and lay it in for two more, and Tuckman would drain another shot with 4.21 to go in the third. What was a 12-point game three minutes earlier was now tied at 28. TABC would gain some momentum back with a playoff bucket, and a minute later, Gersberg showing off his handle with a massive crossover, buckling the first defender's knees at midcourt, drove the ball himself into the lane, laid it in, and drew the foul. Ty would hit the shot, and another Shulman bucket would complete the 7-0 TABC run, putting them seemingly back in control, 35-28. to but the third quarter being one of many runs, Frisch would answer back. Charlotte would hit a three with 1.26 to go. Tuckman would bring it to within two, 20 seconds later. And then with 3.6 to go in the quarter, he would drain one of two from the line to end the quarter on a 6-0 Frisch run. In 18-7 quarter for the Cougars. Now only down one, 35-34, headed into the final frame. TABC would push the lead out to three to open the third on a or coast-to-coast lay-in, but four points from Andrew Langer sandwiching a hood follow-up off of a missed Frisch free throw, and the Cougars had their first lead since the 4.52 mark of the first period, now up 4-37. to Brum would cut the lead to one with 1.53 to go, and it looked as if we'd have a game down the final stretch. A minute later, the score still the same. The Storm looking to prolong the game sent Schechter to the line for Frisch, who hit both shots to regain the three-point lead. On TABC's possession, Gersberg came up big, cutting the lead down to one with 29 seconds left on the clock. Another Storm foul sent Hode to the line for two, hitting both, and the score was 44-41 Frisch. TABC would inbound the ball, and it would find its way to Gersberg, who drew the foul sending him to the line to attempt to cut it to one. But unlike the rest of the game, Gersberg came up short, missing both. Hode would grab the rebound and be sent to the line where he would hit two more, icing the game for the final score of 46-41. to Gersberg, the Storm's leading scorer on the night with 13, back up by Shulman and Playoff, each with eight apiece. But the line of the night goes to Benny Tuckman, with 16 points keeping Frisch afloat in a miserable first quarter with seven points, and spurring the rally back with seven in the third. Hode finished with ten, including going four for four in the fourth from the free-throw line, and Scott Levine with nine on three big shots from beyond the arc. So Frisch wins, improved to 11-0, and and clinches the Western Conference crown. TABC with the loss dropped to 9-3 and and as a result was reduced to rooting for Frisch last night as they took on Ramaz. A Rams loss and the Storm would lock up at least a first round home game in the playoffs. Well, the Storm got exactly what they'd hoped for with a 61-46 Frisch victory. As a result, Ramaz drops to 7-6 and and still has not clinched a postseason spot. Technically, if Ramaz were to lose this week to SAR, they could be in danger of not making the postseason at all should SAR win out. 
Ramaz can do the rest of the West a favor this coming week and be at SAR, which would clinch berths for five of the six teams. Frisch, TABC, and Hillel, who have already clinched berths, now in addition to Ramaz and JEC. Heschel would still be unclear, as they've already beaten SAR once, but still need to play them one more time. Frisch? Well, Frisch is 12-0, and can't be caught, and now is just looking to put the capper on a perfect season on the other side of the break. Moving along to the standings in the East, Hafter clinching the number one seed in the East at 12-0. DRS behind them also clinching a playoff spot at 10-2. Uh, North Shore behind them clinching a playoff spot at 9-3. and Mag and David at 6 and 5, although strangely, uh, as it works out, YDE has clinched a playoff spot at 6 and 6, but Mag and David at 6 and 5 has not. We'll discuss that next week. Uh, Hank behind them at 5 and 7, Flappish at 4 and 8, and Derek Hattora and Rambam riding out the string with one more game apiece, both 1 and 12. Moving over to the West, Frisch, as I said, perfect 12 and 0, clinching the division crown. TABC behind them at 9 and 3. Then you have three teams with seven wins, Heschel, Hillel, and Ramaz. Heschel is 7-4, Hillel 7-5, Ramaz 7-6, one more game left on the season. JEC behind them at 6-6, SAR at 3-7, still hanging along by a thread. MTA and Kushner both eliminated, MTA at 3-10, waiting for their last game, Kushner at 0-12. Ramaz finishes out their string this week, this coming week. The only game, Wednesday, will be Ramaz hosting SAR. Taking a look at the Jewish Hoops America Top 25 for what was effectively last week, the week of January 5th, 2015, the first of the new year. Hafter still on top, perfect record, with all first place votes. Frisch coming in right behind them. DRS behind them. North Shore at number four, uh, rounding out the Yeshiva League portion of the top uh, f- top five. Eula rounding out the top five. You have Heschel and TABC at six and seven. So six of the top seven teams in the uh, in the country are from the Yeshiva League. And next Yeshiva League participant is Ramaz at fifteen. Uh, sorry, Hillel at fourteen. Ramaz at fifteen. Then you have JEC at 19, Flappish dropping to 20, 21st from 17, despite my uh, advocating for them last week. And uh, Hank, SAR, YDE, Mag and David, all receiving votes, but not enough to place in the top 25 on the week. You're listening to The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Once again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, and we're taking you through the week in Yeshiva League sports. We're going to move over to girls basketball now, and this is the week that we're going to actually do the girls playoff updates and scenarios. We're going to start out in girls A. In girls A, we'll start out in the East because it will be a much more simple analysis. This week, the East only had one real game as Hafter dropped Hank 35-16. to with the win, Hafter assures itself of at least a 500 winning percentage, picking up win number six with one game remaining. The win also clinches a playoff berth for the Hawks and keeps them in contention for the two seed in the East. Hank falls to three and six and will be fighting for their playoff lives the rest of the way. The only other East team in action was Heschel, who played Hillel on Wednesday night, losing to Hillel 56 to 33, dropping them to one and nine and eliminating them from playoff contention. The only game on the week coming up happens to come from the East, that being Heschel and Ramaz. Ramaz, the defending champions at 10-1, and 1, is locked up into the number one seed in the East and will await the West 4 seed, which we'll discuss later on in the first round of the playoffs. 
The race to watch in the East as we head toward the postseason will be the run for the second spot behind Ramaz. That race will seemingly come down to Flatbush and Hafter, but Hank could still play a role in the determination. Flatbush still has two games remaining, both with Hank. Hafter has only one, and that being the Heschel game. Two Flatbush wins, or a win and a Flatbush loss, and Flatbush will take the number two seed. A Hafter win and two Flatbush losses to Hank will give Hafter the two seed. Otherwise, we go to a tiebreak, which could actually see Hank enter the fray. If the tie is between Hafter and Hank at seven wins, it would come down to the record against playoff teams, which cannot be determined just yet considering their final games. If Flatbush and Hafter lose out and stay at six wins, if Hank also defeats Central... They would also finish at 6-6. Six and six. The head-to-head would look like this. Hank would have two and, would be 2-1 with two wins over Hank. Sorry, two wins over Flatbush and one loss to Hafter. Hafter at 2-1 with a win over each and a loss to Flatbush. And Flatbush at 1-3 with a win and a loss to Hafter and two losses to Hank. What would happen here is not only would Flatbush not earn the two seed, they would drop all the way down to the four seed while Hafter would take the number two on head-to-head with Hank. And Hank would finish in the third spot. So the lesson for uh, for Flatbush, don't finish at 6-6 six and six with the other two teams. Keeping on Hank, let's move to the teams fighting for the fourth and final playoff spot. Right now, the Hurricanes are the only team in... By the way, when I say playoff spot, I mean entry, because we just discussed it could be one of several teams. Right now, the Hurricanes are the only team in the hunt that controls their own destiny. Hank can still hit the six-win mark. North Shore, at most, can get five. Right now, right now, North Shore sits in the four spot with four wins and with the tiebreaker over Hank. A North Shore win over Central will force Hank to win out in order to jump them. Otherwise, any two Hank wins will earn them the final playoff spot. Moving out to the West, SAR kept pace with Bruria and Frisch at the top, downing Kushner 46-34 Tuesday night. The win ups SAR's record to 8-2, one game ahead of Frisch, whom they faced just a few hours ago in Paramus. How that game ends off will have a major implication on the West. Since we do not know who won yet, let's roll through using both scenarios. An SAR win would put SAR at 9-2 and two and drop Frisch to four losses. This would mean that Bruria and SAR would be tied, with each going into the last game of the season, and with one game remaining, would give them the top two spots in the West, relegating Frisch to the third seed. For each team, Bruria and SAR, their opponents would be teams that gave them fits early on in the season, and will be competing for the last playoff spot. Bruria will take on Hillel, who at 5-5 five and five is tied in wins and only one loss behind Maya Note at 5-6. and six. SAR's opponent, who knocked, Maya Note being SAR's opponent, who knocked off the Sting 52-37 to at the end of November. The only way that Bruria would be able to grab the one seed in this scenario would be with a win and an SAR loss, as SAR swept Bruria in their two games this season. However, the other side of the coin, if Frisch won today, things look quite different. Bruria would need a win or an SAR loss to clinch the division. Then SAR and Frisch would battle for the second and third seed, with Frisch holding the tiebreak, and their last game against Hillel, whom they beat by six two weeks ago. Things would get real interesting, though, should Frisch have won today. Bruria loses to Hillel, SAR defeats Mayanote, and Frisch defeats Hillel, because all three teams would then end up tied at 9-3. and three. The head-to-head would look like this. Frisch would be 2-1, two with two wins over SAR and a loss to Bruria. SAR would be 2-2, two and two, two wins to Bruria and two losses to Frisch. And Bruria would be 1-2, and two, with a win over Frisch and two losses to SAR. So if all three end up tied at 9-3, and three, Frisch would take the division. 
SAR would get the two seed, and Bruria finds themselves dropping from first to third. Lower down, the race for the fourth seed is simple. There are two teams left, Mayanote and Hillel. Mayanote, as I said, is 5-6, and six, and Hillel is 5-5. Five and five. Hillel controls their own destiny in this, in this race. The Hurricanes have games in hand on the Rapids, and also hold the tiebreak, having swept the season series. Any combination that matches or puts them ahead of Mayanote gives them the fourth seed. A very interesting possibility, given that Mayanote's last game is against SAR, and Hillel has games with Frisch and Bruria remaining. These two teams, though, are essentially fighting for the right to face Ramaz in Ramaz in the first round of the playoffs. Moving over to Girls B, there were three games on the weekend, what was essentially the battle for the top seed in the league. SKA outlasted Bruria 35-30 in that one. That despite Bruria going into the halftime holding a 26-20 lead, but going cold in the second half, leading to the SKA victory. With the win, last year's defending champs have not quite locked up the number one spot, but will do so with one more win, this by virtue of their season sweep over the Lightning, who are now 8-2. We'll get to all of those playoff scenarios in a second, including one that could make yours and the league's head spin. First, let's finish off the week's games, though. Elon improved to 6-3 and three with a 48-21 win over winless Shalamath, and a game involving two of the three teams fighting for the last two spots shall have it demolished Magan David 53-29, avenging an eight-point loss to the Warriors in early September. The Shalhevet win actually sets up an interesting scenario in the playoff race. First, though, let's look at the top. As I just said, SKA only needs one win in their remaining three games to lock up the number one spot. In terms of likelihood to clinch the number one seed, SKA still has one game remaining with Shari Torres, uh, who still stood at 109. And given how SKA dominated the game with Shari in, uh, way back in the beginning of the season, winning by 24, I wouldn't put it past the Sonics to have the crown locked up on or before January 29th. Their two games with Elando could pose some fun, as we'll see in a moment. Bruria is in limbo at the moment at 8-2, and two, but they do have the ability to control their own destiny. All Bruria needs is one win or an Elan loss to clinch the two-seed. With games against Mag and David and shall have it remaining, teams who are fighting for the final spots, neither game for Bruria will be a gimme, uh, despite Bruria having soundly defeated both earlier this season. However, Bruria could still drop to the, th- to the three seed if they lose their two games, and Elan wins their remaining games, which will include two against SKA, so good luck to Elan on that one. Shari Torah and Shalamith are out and are just looking to play spoiler. Right now, this brings us to our interesting scenario in Girls B. Right now, the battle for the last two spots are essentially between three teams. Six and three, Elan. Six and five, Shalhevet. And four and five, Mag and David. For Elan and Shalhevet, the deal is pretty clear. A win and a Mag and David loss will give Elan and Shalhevet playoff spots. The problem is that the schedule for both teams won't be easy. As I just said, Elan plays SKA twice and will face Mag and David as well. Shalhevet has one game remaining, Bruria. Mag and David, in addition to Elan, will play Bruria and Shalamath. Stick with me as I go through this. It's going to be a little crazy, but let's assume that the SKA, Bruria, and Shalamath games go by the numbers, as they say. You have the following standings for the middle three. Elan will drop two to SKA and will be six and five. Shalhevet losing to Bruria will be six and six. Mag and David beating Shalamath and losing to Bruria would be 5-6. and six. This leaves one game on February 2nd to decide things, Elan versus Mag and David. 
if Elon wins, we're all good. Everything is everything is besetter. Elon gets the two seed and travels likely to Bruria, while while Shalhevet will square off with SKA. But if Mag and David wins that game, boy, do things get interesting and fast. All three teams will be six and six. What's better, the win for Mag and David would split their season series with Elon. Not only that. All three teams will have a combined 2-2 record against each other, having split the season series between the three of them. I'll be honest, I have no idea what happens at that point. All I know is the league has a month to figure it all out. I'll put the odds of this happening at like 55%. I know it's a strange number, but I don't see any upsets happening in the remaining games. And with Mag and David's game against Elon in Mag and David, I can see that slight edge going to the Warriors, who only lost to Elon by one 23-22 on the road two weeks ago. For all uh, for all of you girls B fans, this can mean a very exciting finish for you. For the uh, division, there are no games on the coming week, so girls, enjoy your vacation. Taking a look at Girls JV, uh, speaking of interesting finishes, Girls JV East is now set for two races down the home stretch. This week, a stunner in Great Neck as host North Shore found themselves upset at home 45-43 by the Hafter Hawks. With the win, the Hawks clinch a postseason berth, meaning that we know which four teams will come from the East. The only question is the order. We have two tight races. The first will be the battle for the number one seed at the top, as now the loss ties North Shore with Flatbush at seven wins and two losses. Both teams have one remaining game and have split their season series, each winning on the other team's court. In equal fashion, both teams will play Central as their final games. Central, meanwhile, and Hafter are now locked in a similar battle at 3-5, and five, pushing for the third and fourth seeds in the division. Much like the two at the top, they're even-steven. Both have two games remaining and have split their season series. Where they differ is the strength of their remaining opponents. As said, Central will now need to play each of the two teams fighting for the top spot in the division, Flatbush and North Shore. Hafter will have a tough game of their own, playing SAR on February 1st, but before that, they will have an extremely winnable game tomorrow night against Ramaz, who at 1-8, one, one year after winning the Eastern Division, will be the East team to miss out on the playoffs. In their last meeting, Hafter defeated the Rams in Ramaz by 14. So unless Central pulls off an upset, we are very likely to see the third seed go to Hafter and the fourth to Central. The only way for Central to get the third seed is to finish ahead of Hafter. Very unlikely, again, given the matchups. At the top, unless Central pulls off one of those upsets, North Shore and Flatbush will finish the season tied at 8-2 and two, and with each other. Both teams will have the same record against playoff opponents as well, meaning that the division crown will come down to the worst possible fate, Lady Luck, and the flip of a coin. In that case, I'll just put the odds at 50-50. Out West, things don't look to be much better than that. Maya Note at 8-1 and one has clinched a top two seed and awaits SAR's two games on the week, one today against Frisch and Wednesday night against Westchester to see what more needs to be done. SAR will still have Hafter and Maya Note and will still have to play Westchester, but from the looks of things, if SAR can get past Frisch today, a team they beat by 10 in October, both SAR and Maya Note will finish the season at 9-1 and one, having split with each other and everything even Steven. This will lead to, yes, another division crown decided by a coin flip. I don't think that's ever happened where both divisions were decided by the coin flip, so this may be a first in all of Yeshiva League sports. Frisch at 5-4 and four is a loss away from being locked into the 3 spot. The only way things can change is if SAR loses out, including the Frisch game today, which, 
while unlikely given that they play Westchester, who was winless at 0-8 and not making the postseason, will force a whole new breakdown with both teams tied at 6-4. and If that happens, we'll get into it then, but I put that at a 1% chance of happening. As the defending champs, the Sting should find a way to get that 7th win if they have not already done it by now, but... You never know. In a season where 2-5 and five Hafter can upend 7-1 and one North Shore, throwing the East into potential turmoil, anything is possible. Kushner has finished their slate and is the West 4 seed and will await the East Division champion. Once again, you are listening to The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn, trophy provider of the Yeshiva League. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111. I am your host, Elliot Weiselberg, and we are going through the week in Yeshiva League sports. Now moving over to hockey. We're going to start out in varsity. Uh, this really was a week of Western conferences with only one East team in play in the four games that occurred. It's a big game, but we're going to save that one for later. Coming off of last Saturday night's game, the Western Conference had its swagger on full, full swing as the Eastern Conference teams finally found out how they matched up compared to the best team in the West. For those East teams, the only hope really seems to be that one of the Western Division's own might be able to crack through and take the machine that is TABC down. The first chance to do so would go to Kushner. Last time these two teams played, TABC took it to Kushner early and often, destroying the Cobras 8-1 to in Teaneck. So when news broke that Lewis Rees would not be playing and that Jack Rees would be playing while battling the flu, the collective sentiment around the league was that this game was over before it started. Kushner, however, had other plans. Despite not having their leader, the Kushner defense held down the fort in the first, stonewalling the storm at 0-0. Four minutes into the second, Yaron Nola would break through to give the Storm a one nothing lead. At this point, the question was whether Kushner would just completely fall apart. Not only did that not happen, but Kushner struck right back. Two minutes later, Kushner on a power play. Seth Wayne speared one home to not the score at 1-1. Kushner would have ample opportunity to take the lead as Nola was sent off for a major penalty for elbowing. But the Cobras could not capitalize and the game would go tied into the third period of play. Two minutes in, Kushner would return the favor, handing the Storm a power play. And as the rest of the league has found out, you do not give the Storm a gift and expect them to not say thank you. As he's done numerous times this year on the man advantage, it was Alex Malik rocketing the ball into the back of the net to give TABC a 2-1 lead. The Cobras would put pressure on for the remainder of the game, but could not break through, and TABC would hold on for a 2-1 victory. Kushner has now fallen to 7-3-0-1 and and is slowly losing their opportunity to host a first-round home game. Right now, they are tied with SAR, with the Sting holding the tiebreak over the Cobras. SAR will play two games this week against Heschel and Ramaz. Two SAR wins won't clinch the two-seed for the Sting, but it will force Kushner to be perfect the rest of the way in order to hurdle them, and that's assuming that SAR doesn't grab a win over MTA or Frisch to round out the season. Elsewhere, Frisch started out their, their desperate postseason push with a 6-0 win over JEC on Monday night. Stevie Brin would notch a natural hat-trick for the Cougars in the first, scoring two of his three within 15 seconds of each other early in the period. Rafi Sullivan would add two in the second, and Svee Bessler would cap off the game late in the third to bring it to its final. With their respective wins, TABC improved to 10-0, and and Frisch to 3-3-1-2, heading into last night's meeting between the two in Teaneck. The circumstances only added to what has already become a hot rivalry, and coming off of the two basketball teams meeting up over the break as we discussed earlier, over, excuse me, over the week as we discussed earlier, the action was sure to be fast and furious. The game carried live on TABC TV following the JV game, which we'll get to in just a few. 
The first period was intense, with both teams getting great opportunities, but none finding the back of the net. For the most part, what we got for the first eight minutes was a hockey game. Then the parade of penalties started. The last four minutes of the first saw five penalties called, and each team went into the break scoreless and down a man. Neither team would score to open the, the uh, second, and four-on-four action would resume. But like I said a few minutes ago, give TABC a gift, and they'll make the most of it. Fourteen seconds after Odiharamadi was sent off for roughing, Malik put a laser short side on Alex Kirschenbaum to give the Storm a one nothing lead. Two minutes later, Daniel Levy, working the ball behind the net, sent a pass up the slot to a wide-open Yara Noller, who hit the twine to push the lead to two. The score would remain 2 nothing well into the third. After killing off an interference penalty, Frisch found itself on the power play and would cut the lead to one with a Mikey Rubin goal with 2.42 remaining. The next few minutes would be a mad scramble with Rubin having an opportunity to tie the game himself from in front with Rami Levine sprawled out in front of the net, but Frisch could not capitalize and the Storm were able to escape with a 2-1 win. TABC at 11-0 maintains their undefeated season and now locked up a top-two spot. And in a win or SAR loss from taking, uh, excuse me, an RA win or an SAR loss from taking the top seed in the Western Conference. Frisch drops to 3-4, and 2 and 9 points, uh, as they say at 9 points. With the matchup still remaining, Frisch cannot afford another loss in this season, or they will be eliminated and out of postseason play for the first time in a very, very long time. If anyone can tell me when the last time Frisch Varsity did not make the playoffs, you deserve a prize. The information would be greatly appreciated. Um, the loss opens the door for SAR and Ramaz to clinch postseason berths this week. Ramaz will take on Frisch tomorrow night, while SAR takes on Heschel. The two of them will also meet later on this week. So, unless Frisch wins tomorrow night and Ramaz and SAR tie, and SAR loses to Hillel, at least one of those two teams will clinch a postseason berth. If Frisch loses tomorrow night, Ramaz and SAR will both clinch, um... And Kushner and MTA will each be a point away from doing the same, and each with games that no team in their position should have any business losing coming up on the other side of the break. Although if the last, I would say, 48 hours or so tells us anything, that's never a given. At this point, Frisch has no more mulligans, as the golf term goes. No more free strikes. It's pretty much bottom of the ninth. Two outs, two strikes. Either they win from here on out and still have a shot at the postseason. And I say that only because they would still need a load of help to make that possible. We will roll through all the scenarios next week, but the mission for Frisch is simple. Win to stay alive. The bigger question now appears to revolve around TABC. After drilling half their six to one last week, they eked out two two one wins over teams that uh, that they over a team that they battered at home and a team that may not even make the playoffs out west. So is this a case of a team shifting it into cruise control? If so, it could be very unwise for them to continue on this path. So as once you switch that 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 light switch to off, it can be mighty hard to get uh, to get back into it really when you really need it. Just uh, just ask the TABC varsity basketball team. Uh, oof. Um, Sorry, I guess it's a low blow. Or the Hartor Hattricks Junior High hockey team. There, I, I ragged on myself. Now you can, uh, now you can stop, uh, stop complaining. In any case, just remember the story of the tortoise and the hare. It's a cautionary tale and one that could come back to haunt any team come postseason. In other news, congratulations to Heschel on their first varsity win. 
The Heat took on Solomon Schechter on Wednesday night, the only East team in contention this week. Solid goaltending kept the game scoreless through two periods, but in the third, a mad scramble in front, Charlie Weinschenk tapped the ball home past Schechter's Jeremy Holden to take a 1-0 lead. Solomon Schechter would have numerous chances to tie up the game, getting two breakaways and hitting three posts down the stretch in the final period. Late in the third, Heschel took two penalties in quick succession for a 4-on-2 Solomon Schechter man advantage. Schechter made the decision to pull the goalie for a 5-on-2 advantage, but the strategy backfired as Heschel's Josh Verschleiser put one home into the open net to ice the game for a 2-0 victory, their first on the season and first ever. Gabe Scherzer recorded the shutout. The win also means that the Varsity Hockey League may be the only one to have every team with at least one win on the year, as Heschel was the last remaining team with a zero in the win column. Let's take a look over at the standings. Uh, In the East, Hafter leads with 21 points, 10-1-1-0. Sorry, 10-1-1. DRS right behind them, 20 points at 10-2. Hank, 15 points, pretty much locked into the three seed, 6-3-1-2. North Shore, 5-7, and seven, 10 points. Rambam, 4-7-0-1, oh, 9 points. Flappush, 3-6-0-1 oh, at 7 points. Solomon Schechter at 2-9, and nine. and Mag and David at 2-12. and 12. Their season's done, both of those teams at 4 points. Moving over to the Western Conference, TABC, a perfect 11-0, and oh, 22 points. Ramaz behind them with 16 points at 8-4, and four, at least temporarily. SAR, 15 points. Kushner, 15 points. SAR, 7-2-1. Kushner, 7-3-0-1. Oh, uh, moving over to behind them, MTA at 14 points, 7-4. And, and then Frisch, as we mentioned, is now 3-4-1-2, 9 points. And behind them, eliminated from postseason contention, are JEC at 3-9 and nine with 6 points, and Heschel at 1-9 and nine with 2 points. Looking at the week ahead, the week ahead will be another All-West affair, with Ramaz finishing off their schedule with 2 on the week. Monday night, we'll see Ramaz facing Frisch in Frisch, as well as Heschel facing SAR. Thursday night, Ramaz will move over to SAR to face SAR in the rink. With Ramaz at 8-4, and four, these two games are must-wins to avoid the 4-5 game. With the matchups remaining, a Ramaz loss would all but assure them that they'll be playing in a play-in game, as 18 points or less will not be enough to assure themselves of a top-3 spot. Rooting for Ramaz this Thursday night will be TABC, who, as I said, can clinch the division with an SAR loss. That is, unless Heschel, on their winning streak, can do it for them first. Taking a look at the rankings in varsity. TABC staying in the one spot with the win over Kushner and Fish, although right now I'm not sure even a loss would drop them, given how they played against the rest of the league and where the rest of the teams are. Hafter at uh, number two, SAR at number three. Kushner, despite their close play against TABC, will stay at number four. Let's see them pull out a win to have them move up in the standings. DRS stays at five, MTA at six. Most of these teams really were idle on the week. If you hear an East team, with the exception of Solomon Schechter, they were idle on the week, so it didn't really change much. Ramaz stays at seven. Frisch, despite the loss, moves up from ninth to eighth because of their their win over JC and their play against TABC last night. So they get a little bit more credit than Kushner does because of where they were in the standings. Hank Hank drops down from eighth to ninth through no fault of their own, just the way the schedule worked out. They'll have a chance to get back up at the other side of the break. North Shore stays at ten. Rambam at eleven. Flappish at twelve. JEC stays at thirteen with their loss to Frisch. 
Right behind them is Mag and David staying at 14. Moving up from the 16th spot to the 15th spot is Heschel. And dropping down to the 16th spot is Solomon Schechter. Now, Solomon Schechter with two wins obviously should take the 15th spot, but we're going to throw Heschel a bone and give Solomon Schechter a chance to, uh, to move back up the rankings as the week goes on, or as the season goes on, I should say. Moving on over to JV Hockey now. Only three games on the week, but all three having major implications on the West playoff race. JEC clinched a playoff berth with a win over winless Westchester 7-2. Alicia Schmutter netted four, Arie Marcus scored twice, and Atanel Kramer added one. The berth was assured only because of MTA's 3-0 loss to TABC that same night. Jacob Rosenfeld and Akiva Weider scored second-period goals, and Zach Rothenberg put the game away with a goal in the third to put all three teams at 10 points. Because MTA will end the season at 10, TABC and JEC hold the tiebreakers automatically earn playoff berths and will be in competition with Frisch and SAR for the top three spots out west. TABC and Frisch would vie for the chance to gain some separation last night in Teaneck. The Storm, in the midst of their no-respect tour, with a chip on their shoulder, came in posting two straight shutouts, including the MTA one that I just mentioned, and the Ramaz game before. In the first game of the doubleheader, we'd find out exactly how the tone would be set on the night. In fact, this game would almost be a mirror of the varsity game that we mentioned earlier. Shortly before game time, TABC found out that they would be without starting forward Jonathan Sturm for the night, and responded by moving Ephraim Tiger up to the top line. Tiger and his teammates would need everything that they had to keep pace with Frisch. In the first, Frisch would control the pace of the game and would come close to tagging one in on TABC goalie Ruffy Minsky. But the two closest shots rang off the iron, and TABC dodged the bullet heading into the second period of play. While the varsity game to follow had their penalty parade in the first, for this game, the second period was a blur of man advantage and three-on-three action. In total, six penalties were taken by both sides, and from the 7.58 mark until the 2.34 mark left in the period, there was only 26 seconds of four-on-four play. That would come to an end as 16 seconds into a Yehuda Brin penalty, Zach Rothenberg, left all alone at the point during an ill-advised substitution, found a wide-open Josh Horton tile at the mouth of the net, who put it home to give the Storm a one nothing lead. After that, the game settled down and we would go into the third without any more shenanigans. The score would remain one nothing for three and a half minutes into the third, when Josh Lyman took a full-court shot that Frisch goalie Charlie Freilish sized up but could not control as the ball trickled through his legs for an insurance marker for the storm. That goal would prove to be incredibly important. Much like the varsity game that we would see, the visiting team would attempt some late-game heroics. With 2.57 remaining, Johnny Newman, cheating in along the left side, picked up the ball and rocketed one home top shelf to cut the deficit to one. The Cougars would have one last chance to tie the game, as with 1.45 to go, the Storm were called for a tripping penalty in front of the net, and the Cougars would go to work on the power play that would ultimately yield no fruit, as TABC was able to kill out the penalty and the game for the upset victory. As a result, TABC, now at 6-2, and two, has thrust themselves into the conversation for the number two spot out west. With Frisch now dropping to 5-2, and two, the possibility remains that TABC, with a win in Frisch later on this year, could earn the home game. A fitting jump for the team uh, touting the no-respect mantra. The Frisch loss is a big break for SAR, who at 7-0 and oh is potentially going into their next few games without their leading scorer, Gordy Kolb, due to a concussion.
Frisch's second loss means that a win for SAR over Ramaz would put SAR a win away from the top seed in the West. Should Frisch not be able to recover for the game tomorrow night with Ramaz, that SAR-Ramaz game takes on much more meaning. We'll recap it all for you and give you a breakdown of the post-vacation scenarios next week. Despite there being no games, one East team did get a win. Hank was awarded a victory over YDE for a game that was postponed last week and ultimately canceled. This put Hank, this puts Hank's final total at 11 and now await the results of Hafter season to see if they will play a home game or a road game in a play-in game, a 4-5 game in the playoffs. Taking a look at the standings from Boys JV Hockey. In the East, Rambam clinching the division at 9-0 with 18 points. DRS and Flop are still tied at 6-2, still going down to the wire with their race for the second and third seeds, um, both at 12 points. Although one team can sneak in with the 12, it would take a very, very, very long shot. Hank, as I said, finishing off their season at 5-4-0-1 with 11 points. North Shore, still at 9 points, 4-5-0-1, awaiting to see what happens with their season, as Hafter, with 8 points, is 4-4. Four and four. Again, one Hafter, uh, one Hafter win, and Hafter will take that last spot. Anything else, and uh, North Shore will have the final playoff spot in the East. Mag and David... Shari Torah and YDE all out. Mag and David finishing off their schedule. They, are, they finish off at 4-6 and six with 8 points, tied with Hafter. Shari Torah and YDE tied. Shari at 1-7. and seven. YDE, as a result of the forfeit, 1-8, and eight, both with 2 points. Moving over to the West, SAR at the top at 7-0 and oh with 14 points. TABC right behind them, 6-2 and two with 12 points. Frisch, JEC, and MTA points. Frisch is 5-2. and two. JEC is 5 and 3. MTA finished their season at 5 and 5 and await to see what happens with Ramaz. A Ramaz loss and this is pretty much over. Ramaz is 3-4 and 1 with 7 points with their final two games coming up this week. Hillel is 2 and 7 with 4 points and Westchester at 0 and 9 both just waiting for their last game to finish out their seasons. Schedule for the week. Coming up of the week, the West 5 will be determined, as I just said, as Ramaz will play the two games against Frisch and SAR. Should Ramaz not pick up two wins as they need, they will be on the outside looking in, and MTA will gain the final spot in the West and will be the 5 seed traveling to take on the East 4 seed. If Ramaz can win both, the rest of the conference would really love them for it as it would tighten the race down the back stretch given who they face. As tomorrow night, Ramaz will take on a reeling Frisch team and uh, will on Thursday night take on SAR. So really big matchups ahead for the league. Moving over to the rankings, top three stay the same. Rambam, SAR, and DRS will remain one through three. 4, 5, and 6 do a little bit of shuffling. TABC, as a result of their wins over MTA and Frisch, now jump Frisch and Flatbush into the 4 spot. Frisch, with their loss, drops back from 4 to 5. Flatbush idle stays at 6. JEC win over Westchester, but they still stay at 7 until they play some of the tougher teams down the back stretch. Hafter stays at 8. Hank at 9, North Shore at 10, because none of these teams played this week. MTA saves at 11, despite their loss to TABC, because nobody really gained anything over them. Mag and David at 12, Ramaz at 13, Hillel at 14, Westchester at 15, Share at 16, and Darche Erez at 17.
let's take a jump over to this week's words from the wise. Uh, we haven't had this in a week, and it was preempted last week as a result of the uh, segment I did uh, for the passing of Stuart Scott. So let's get back to it and jump right back into it. Another John Wooden quote, A man may make mistakes, but he isn't a failure until he starts blaming someone else. This is something that I've seen quite often, especially as it comes to as it comes to playing sports. We have a tendency to not want to be admonished, to not want to be the the goat and there are times when we just simply you know want to blame somebody else whether it's the referees whether it's something the opposing team did and we don't take ownership of the fact that we too are only human and that it is er to be human there is much more respect for a player to come over to the sidelines after something goes wrong and says you know what we messed up i messed up I'd prefer that to him coming to the bench and saying, oh my god the official missed that call or the referee blew that call when the truth is it may not even be so it's so much better for somebody to take ownership because when you do that, you acknowledge that there's something that you need to correct still and that you know it and that you are, you, there's something for you to look forward to working on and correcting that. If you don't acknowledge that there's still a flaw, that there's still something wrong, that there's still a problem, then you don't have a chance to go out and fix it because you don't believe that there's actually something wrong. When the truth is, if you just acknowledge the fact that it's there and notice that it's there, you can easily go out and make that change because you're aware of it, and you're not sweeping it under the rug, and you're not blaming something else for it. That's when you truly hit rock bottom, because you don't grow. It's er to be human. People make mistakes. I have a saying that goes along with it. You know, a mistake happens once. After that, it becomes a habit. If you if you let something grow, and it becomes, and it just becomes who you are. So better to acknowledge a mistake made early on. This way, when push comes to shove, you can actually be looking at it and willing to correct it so that it doesn't come back to haunt you again. Because those people that don't acknowledge mistakes, as they say, you know, if you, if those, uh, those that uh, ignore history are doomed to repeat it. So do your best to own up to your mistakes. Coaches appreciate it more. Um, in, in life, people that you work with will appreciate it more instead of just tagging the blame on somebody else. Or as I've told people this year, don't blame the refs if you haven't scored, if, if you haven't scored eight goals in a game. Thanks again to everybody for listening tonight. As, uh, as, uh, I said before, next week on the show, we are going to run through the, uh, the varsity and JV hockey and basketball scenarios for the playoffs, given that there's very few games over the week. It'll also kind of be a, a light show in terms of, in terms of content. So if anybody has any ideas or anything they want to hear, or anybody they'd like to hear me interview or want to listen to, or any topics they want discussed, this is your, this is your week. If you're going to be listening, and even if you're not going to be listening, send me Send me an email, send me a message, let me know what you want to hear about so you can enjoy your break. Um, Other than that, I hope that everybody who has break, because I know there are some schools that don't, there are some schools that have their break early on. Uh, If you don't have a break, then uh, we'll see you over the week. If you do have a break, I hope you enjoy wherever you're going. And just know that the court report will be here for you for everything in the playoffs once you get back. If you missed... Any part of this or any episode this season, you can catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. 
or you can find the court report on iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, JM in the AM with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 AM, live on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM, Rockland County. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning. I know this week it was Wednesday morning, and I explained my reasoning, and I hope everybody appreciates it, because if not, it would have been kind of a very dull report. So you can hear me every Tuesday morning or Wednesday at some at some points on JM in the AM at around 7.20 with the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page yet on Facebook, please do so and click the Like tab. Let's get that number up. See you next week, right here on the Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of the Court Report. Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com